Welcome to MGO Radio 9.5. Got it. <sighs> yeah. Michigan you haven't is up yet this year. Well, that's the disappointment. Four. No, no, wait. Nope. I'm wrong. It's four. It's four. <laughs> it's four. <laughs> We're always off by one because it's the, the, you know, the, yeah. Damn the last it. game. All right. Welcome to MGO Radio 9.4. Michigan takes on the Nebraska Cornhuskers this week in their first road game of the season. Uh, it's going to be an old school Nebraska team from all appearances. They have a multi run defense and they have started Heinrich Harburg in the last two games, a six, five walk on from in state who has not thrown the ball very much or very well. But what they have done is they have hit up a longtime Nebraska assistant named Ron Brown, who started coaching there in 1987 to give them pointers on option football as the football gods intended. So Harburg ran for 157 yards last week, 20 carries, 20 plus carries. Anthony Grant, their third string running back, who was actually their leading rusher last year, also had a good game. Harburg completes eight passes in a win. So it looks like Michigan's run defense is going to get their assignments tested, Alex. Yeah, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh test for the Michigan run defense, but I think one thing that's interesting to point out here or worth pointing out is there's a difference, I think, between a sort of dual threat thing and then a limited offense. And this is still limited offense because they can't really pass the ball at all. So that does take the element of deception when it comes to defending a running quarterback and all that sort of out of the picture. So that's something to say at the start. But uh, with Harburg, he kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Jeff Sims got banged up with the ankle injury in the Colorado game. And I think it's worth remembering that Harburg's played two group of five teams, two group of five teams that aren't particularly great in terms of their projections for this season, whereas we saw Sims against two power five teams. So something to to chew on there. It's going to be a big test for Harburg. But what he has done is taking care of the football. And that was a big problem for Jeff Sims when he played in those first two games. Harburg has been able to keep the turnovers down and has run their rushing offense pretty well. He's looked pretty credible as a runner. He's not the greatest athlete of all time, but he's surprisingly nimble for a six foot five uh, behemoth. And he's had some pretty long runs. He had a 72 yard touchdown against Louisiana Tech. He had another long one called back by a reasonably dubious wide receiver holding call. So, this is uh, an interesting little test for, for Michigan in terms of being able to defend the, the quarterback run. It's probably going to be like 20 times in this game because they don't want to throw the ball. And that's a pretty obvious theme with this uh, team in Nebraska, whether it was Sims or Harburg this season. I, I think that the main, uh, uh, the main difference between this team and the um, previous Nebraska teams like of old is that they are not you know crazy fast or crazy athletic. We're crazy awesome, unlike our sponsors. Yes, we'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGOBlogStore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lendor, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, Human Element, Winewood Organics, and Signal Wire, where we are live currently. All right, <clears throat> so Nebraska's passing game we should touch on briefly, I suppose. Uh, Eric Gilbert got into a series of off-season incidents, uh, including robberies, so they got to step up their NIL game. He's out. 
they lost one of their starting receivers before the season. Xavier Betts retired, and then they lost uh, another one of their starters in the opener. Their leading receiver is a slot guy from who transferred in from Virginia, and they appear to be starting a walk-on at one of the outside slots, and it just doesn't really feel like this is going to be a passing game that threatens Michigan at all. No, not at all. I will say that last week I kind of trashed the Rutgers receivers, and then they had a couple really nice catches on that one drive, so <laughs> maybe the Nebraska receivers can dig deep and replicate that. But in terms of what I saw from the wide receivers, it really wasn't anything threatening. They really missed Trey Palmer from last year, who was an awesome player and went in the mid-rounds the NFL draft. There's just nobody you're circling on the the depth chart and saying this is the guy we got to look out for. Even the slot receiver you mentioned, Billy Kemp, the, the fourth, he, a lot of the stuff he gets is is very short. Some of them is the just the jet sweep, like forward pass, you know, where it's really a run play, but it counts as a as a reception. So they got they got to fix that. They have to fix that. It drives me crazy. I agree. Yes. <laughs> but uh, that's the, the receivers. And then really a guy who's who's come on in recent weeks in the receiving core is the tight end, Thomas Fedoni, the second guy Michigan wanted. He missed two seasons with injury. He wears a leg brace now to make up for that. But he didn't play very well against Minnesota in the game I charted. But the last three games, he's been coming on and his role's been increasing. He's caught a touchdown each of the last three weeks. And given that they want to keep Harburg throwing short stuff, check it down. That's a guy I think they'll they'll look at getting it to. So Rutgers scores last week on an explosive. And it feels like it's going to be real difficult for anyone to drive the field against this Michigan front seven. So I guess the question for Nebraska is where are they going to find an explosive? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's a big Alex. It, it, had, Alex had a facial expression there, <laughs> which indicated that he, he didn't think that Nebraska had much possibility of picking they, up an explosive. They, I mean, the way they've done it this year so far is break it, uh, break it big in the running game. And you know they're an option right, right. team, so they're going to stress your safety. And somebody misses a tackle, and you don't have a lot of guys after the you know the first attempted tackle. So that's you know Makari Page will miss a tackle a game. Rod Moore had a horrible whiff in the last one. So, like, you know, that that's the only real concern. Okay, but how much of an option team are we talking here? Like, this is not Tommy Frazier-era Nebraska. They just installed this midseason because they had no other choice. So, like, how, like <clears throat> what should we be expecting to see from them in terms of option? Or is this a triple setup, or is it just speed option? What's, like, what is their bread and butter? Uh, They do... It's really all the different sort of varieties. They do, you know, read options. They, I didn't see too much speed option. It was mostly read option, but also a lot of design quarterback draws. Um, and that's that's like a go-to for them, especially on third and mediums. Like spread it out, put everyone out wide, and then just hope the quarterback runs and picks it up. So I would say more. it's more quarterback run than like an aggressive option system, but there are uh, some quarterback reads in there and, and uh, things of that nature. You you remember that play where Harbaugh and Madison like looked at each other and go whoa because like the it's basically a counter play with the running back leading but it looks like a zone read and uh, they they uh, ran yeah. that they, they actually brought that thing back so they That's they, not bad. they they mess around they're gonna bring Billy Kemp into the backfield a little bit um and like load up as if he's gonna be a, a an extra option they they've kind of 
learned this in the last two weeks. Like once Harper came in, that's when they really went more to being an option team versus just a quarterback running team because they were doing a lot more Denard stuff with uh, with Sims. Yeah, and one thing on the passing game we didn't mention is the pass protection's been really brutal, and that's another reason why they're going to need to get it out quick. It's going to be yet another team that's whole thing is just we got to get the football out real fast because they've had a lot of problems protecting the quarterback this season, in particular their left tackle there. Uh, Turner Corcoran is is a real, real problem. He's basically turnstile status at this point in time, which hasn't changed over the past couple seasons. And they were having some wobbles against much lesser teams, including a strip sack against, I don't remember which non-con opponent it was, but it was the one that's 129th in SP plus defense. So, <laughs> I mean, he's had a couple of zeros to pro football focus. And like, you remember the, the Nicholas Petit Frere game wait, against them? <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. The, the, their tackle has graded out as a zero yes. in pass protection? Yes, twice. How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> That's something. You're asking, uh, wait, now you want me to explain pro football football? No, no, scoring, it, but... no, but it feels like at some point he successfully blocked someone in one of those games. Uh, so it feels like... Alex, I mean, Alex bailed. We started talking about their, their blocking. He's just like, nope, I can't even do this. <laughs> well, I think we're done with the uh, Husker offense, so let's take a break, come back, talk about the defense. Cool. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Hey fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. 
For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to MGO Radio 9.4. We turn our attention to the Nebraska defense, which uh, superficially feels like the Rutgers defense in which they've played very, very well against absolutely nobody. Uh, so the one exception is they did the whole Nebraska, not Nebraska, Minnesota, to under 60 yards of rushing offense in their opener. There's a major asterisk on that, though, because uh, Darius Taylor, uh, the freshman Minnesota running back, didn't actually start playing until the next game. So <clears throat> they have run it up as a rush defense against teams that are 118th or 120th, and then Louisiana Tech is 73rd in yards per carry, largely because they played Texas and Northwestern State. Not Northwestern and Texas. Northwestern State and Texas State. So <clears throat> they have rebounded from last year's debacle. They're playing a 330-pound nose tackle who wears number zero, again, pleasing the football gods. But it kind of seems like a bridge too far for last year's Nebraska defense to come in to play a game against Michigan where they do not get plowed. Yeah, it would require significant uh, improvement, and I just don't think they've necessarily made that jump yet. They've Again, it's hard to measure them against Michigan because they haven't played anybody like Michigan in terms of a, of a rushing offense like that. Colorado was the only decent offense they played, and they're an air raid. And also Colorado has a terrible offensive line. So and Colorado is dead last in yards per carry nationally. Yeah. So the I mean, the Minnesota thing has to be a little bit concerning because Minnesota wants to load up and run in the box. And people, the three three five looks weak. It looks like they only have three guys on the line and they have all these safeties back. And the idea is they start racing towards the line of scrimmage. We saw this against TCU. They're, it's similar to that. Where like there's always going to be somebody coming at you and somebody replacing that guy and then somebody replacing that guy and you have to kind of find your spot and it's really hard mostly on power running offenses because it's really hard to kind of find the gap that you want to run into and that's what Michigan wants to do they want to look at a four three see which gap is open check to that gap and block it correctly and it just kind of messes with your system especially Michigan's tackles Carson Barnhart's been fine but they've not been great at identifying. Um, you know, all those slants and stuff like that. Like that's, that's been the one issue they've had, right? Like, no, I mean, they've had 
multiple issues. (laughs) (laughs) But I I would say that IDing stuff on power has not been one of those issues. So when Michigan does run their gap stuff, it looks really polished as in opposition to what it looks like when they run outside zone. Hmm. So, I mean, from Michigan's perspective, this is a defense that is somewhat similar to what TCU was running last year. So they have a 3-3-5. They can put they can go to that 404 tight. They can really jam up the interior of your line. And so then it's about how do you attack off tackle? And <clears throat> Michigan's answer earlier this year was outside zone, which they didn't run well. And we're going to see in this game if they have a commitment to that and they want to keep running it or if that was an experiment they're going to shelf. Now, when we were talking on WTKA on Thursday, Sam implied that outside zone is coming back. I mean, that's the reason want to run against that kind of defense. Well, not if you've got Miles Hinton at right tackle. Yeah. So, you know, for for me, I I just I feel like there's other ways to go at a team like this other than trying to install the most expensive thing possible. But this isn't really about the Nebraska defense, Alex. Uh, It is not. But. They're three three five. They rotate a lot of guys in the in their front there, especially at the defensive ends, and then the outside linebackers. Those guys shuffle in and out constantly. But the mainstays are up the middle. Um, middle linebacker Luke Reimer plays a lot if he's healthy. It sounds like he's going to give it a go on Saturday. So uh, he's a decent player. He looked pretty good as a blitzer. Um, and then the new- nose tackle uh, Nash Hutmacher. Brian, did you see my uh, stat on him in the faux film? I have not yet. He was a four-time high school wrestling champion of South Dakota who went 166 and zero as a wrestler in high school. How how did we miss on that guy? Well, he <laughs> I mean, South Dakota is prime Nebraska gets this guy territory, so I know, but we should yeah. like we should just be calling all of the like the top wrestlers in every state and like if you if you win the wrestling competition in your state, you should get at least get a look from Michigan at defensive you, tackle. You, you want Michigan to have someone specializing in the Great Northern Plains. Yes. So we're going to dominate the Dakotas and Montana and Idaho wrestling. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so he uh, he's come a long way from being buried on the depth chart on a terrible defensive tackle depth chart last year to, to being really respectable. So nice season for him, but it's just a matter of Will these defensive linemen get moved, and can they open up those holes for the linebackers to come shooting through? And that's kind of the you know the key here. I do think the idea of giving JJ a few more opportunities to pull the ball and attack off tackle is a way to keep the defense honest. It looked like that was pretty wide open in the games I saw. Uh, Kelly Ekmanis pulled it a few times and, and picked up free yards that way. So that's something I think that would be uh, not a bad idea to pepper in there, especially because they've been willing to do it this year. They did it against Rutgers. They did it against... Was that Bowling Green they did it against? They've done it a few times this year. So uh, something to keep in mind there. Yeah, one thing I so, saw – sorry. Uh, one thing I ahead. saw against um, Rutgers that I, that might be really interesting to see against Nebraska is they started bringing those uh, – They return. I call it double split zone. You called it uh, tight end power. It's basically just running it's not, power with your tight end. It's right? not split zone. No, but it's, it's – It's power. Right, it's power. It's uh. – it, that's fine, but it was uh, I was just the way I described it back, you know, when they were running it in twenty one. But you can run arc reads off of that, and that is the kind of thing that would really kind of mess with Nebraska. Because you're moving lots of guys across the formation, so you're attacking in places that they're not prepared for, 
and those blocks happen a little if you want to replace split zone with something to attack outside I think that would be really effective against this defense and so would tunnel screens um, it's been traditionally yeah. the way you can attack a, a 3-3-5. Colorado had one that should have made a touchdown. I think a guy made a tackle when there were like two blockers and the running back and him just in, in all the space. Uh, and then Michigan showed one of those two for like the first time in 2015. And both those, I think, are preparing for things that you want to do to Nebraska. Uh, speaking of throwing the ball around, how's the Nebraska secondary? Uh, they're Okay. The interesting thing, I think, to talk about with the, the past defense is it's all about the pressure because Nebraska had a really interesting uh, distribution on our, on our pressure indicator in that they were almost a perfect one-third versus one-third versus one-third of rushing exactly four, blitzing, and rushing three. And so then the, the coverages they go to is just built on what they're doing pressure-wise. And so against uh, Colorado, on about an even number of snaps, you had them rush five or six versus rushing three and dropping eight. And so it was this interesting dynamic where when they blitz, they were, especially against Colorado's air raid, where you have everybody lined up out wide, they were cover zero a few snaps. Six-man pressure and then just man-on-man out there, and that's the way we're rolling. And then two snaps later, they'd rush three, and Shadur Sanders would have 15 seconds to stand there and, you know, find somebody. Yeah, I mean, you remember Quentin Newsom, right? He was yep. he's been there for ages, and then last year they discovered this tiny little cornerback, Malcolm Hertzog. They're both or Hertzog. Um, they're both kind of small, and I think that Michigan, the way that Nebraska's going to want to play them, Michigan's going to actually be able to get Colston Loveland matched against those guys sometimes. And like that's the 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 two way is you can really attack them is if they they're blitzing, you know where your guy is, you know exactly where to go with the ball, and you know, you put it on them. And the other way is like when they rush three, you can sit back there forever. And I just don't think that their uh, their safeties have the talent to stay with uh, you know anybody in coverage that long. They they're still learning their cover threes. <clears throat> okay, so for Michigan, it feels like you want to play action this team. You want to try to hit them over the middle when they get too aggressive against the ground game, and put Roman Wilson in a place where he's going to be able to run by a safety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's Michigan's offense basically. I just I don't want them to run a lot of duo inside. That's this is you know the wrong defense for that. Um, and they're probably not going to have a lot of success trying to run power inside the guards or inside the between the guard and the tackles. Uh, one final thing on Nebraska is that their field goal kicking is abominable. One hundred twenty eighth nationally in field goal efficiency thus far this year. Their punting is also mediocre. So if it comes down to Kicking stuff around, Michigan will have an advantage there as well. All right, score predictions, Alex. Uh, 34 to 10. Seth. 31-7. I do want to mention that uh, Brian Bussini, the punter, has a 47% return rate on his punts this year. So we actually might get to see some, some, uh, some, some attempts to bring things back. And Hopefully we see Tyler Morris this time. I don't know why we're still messing around with that. But, yeah, 31-7 seems to be the, the the sweet spot for every single Michigan game this year, so let's go with that. I got 25-12. to mm-hmm. Going to be weird. Mm. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk about the hockey team. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. 
Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage it with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for returning licensees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734 734- 945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. You make me feel and it's hard, but it's real. Yeah. You make me feel and it's a painful process. You make me feel and I'm inside. Welcome back to MGO Radio 9.4. Michigan takes the ice. This weekend against exhibition opponents, Lindiswood, <laughs> Lindis Farm. Lindis... <laughs> no, Lindiswood is not. They're they're a D one school, bro. Oh, oh god! It's uh, Simon Fraser in Simon Fraser. Oh, that guy. <laughs> Soon to join the pack too, Simon <laughs> Fraser. Uh, so Michigan loses Adam Fantilli, Eric Portillo, a bunch of other guys from the team, but they return Rucker McGordy. Gavin Brindley, uh, Jacob Truscott. They bring in Nick Moldenhauer, who was a third-round pick of the Leafs, who might have gone higher if his draft year wasn't injury-wrecked. Uh, 
and uh, had an excellent year with Chicago in the USHL recently. Um, so should be a uh, another powerful squad. The problem for Michigan is that all of a sudden Michigan State is is like back, and this was already a brutal conference to be in. And Michigan State finally made a good hire after uh, 25 years. And Wisconsin has a new coach. Minnesota is still Minnesota. Ohio State still is going to be annoying. Notre Dame is still Notre Dame. So Michigan is going to have to mature and uh, start uh, playing some more defense. But they still have as much or more talent as anyone in the country. Yeah, this is still a really talented team. And I think we should give Wisconsin some respect, even though they we haven't seen them yet. But, you know, they're maybe a year behind MSU. But I think they made a great hire in bringing in Mike Hastings from Minnesota State. I mean, at this point, who the worst coach in the Big Ten is, is a question I don't have an answer to. And whoever it is, it's a very good coach who got has gotten to the tournament multiple times. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really tough league. And it's going to be tough night in, night out. And that's where it comes down to banking wins in the non-conference. And thankfully, Michigan has a very soft non-conference, trying to Penn State it a little bit uh, with Stonehill and Lindenwood both on the schedule for some reason. So, But the guy I'm most excited about is Frank Nazar. Um, we never saw him healthy last year, but he's an exceptionally talented player. He showed up at the Summer Showcase uh, in Plymouth and was awesome. He was like the best player on the ice among a really talented group. So that's something to... Uh, to keep in mind. And if he can hit that ceiling, hit that projection that made him a lottery pick, uh, there won't be a lot of drop off from Adam Fantilli. Uh, is that's, I mean... <laughs> quite, uh, that's quite a statement. Yeah. Um, I should, we, we should point out that Michigan does have a series against Providence, UMass and St. Cloud. So did you didn't... see the, did you see the scheduling for that Providence series, by the way? Uh, it's a Saturday, Sunday series. I'm not sure. The Saturday games during the Minnesota game. And then yeah. you have the Sunday game on Sunday and not Friday. It's whoever did that should be in prison. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, exceptionally odd because it's like just play Friday, Sunday, bro. That's what they usually do. But what are you going to do? Well, you have a bunch of, I mean, because the football game team has so many night games this year. So I think we will play Minnesota during the Michigan State game or something. Like, there's a bunch of battles. Yeah, there's, there's, there's several that are unfortunate. But the other thing with this team that I think is interesting is they brought in a number of transfers. And you look at the defense, it's going to be a much older defense than it's been at times in the past. You have Truscott back as a senior. You had Marshall Warren from Boston College, fifth-year player. Who was their captain? Who was their captain? Yeah, and they, they gave him an A, uh, if you saw the, the pictures uh, of the leadership team yesterday. So really respected player. Ethan Edwards is now in his junior season. If Steve Holtz is in the lineup, he's a senior. This is a much older defense than you've had at times in the past, and hopefully that should lead to much more discipline and structured defensive play, which they might need to, to support the goaltenders, who are quite unproven and really, I think, the X factor in, in question for this team. Well, uh, Jacob Barzuski, Barcheski, Barcheski. Yes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> How? Come on. Come on. All right. He transfers in from Canisius and was their starter a year ago. Put up decent numbers. Uh, and then Noah West is back. They also brought in Andrew Albano from D3 Norwich. Uh, I mean. They didn't get great goaltending all year from Eric Portillo, and so I feel like 
they'll be able to maintain there, at least in terms of safe percentage. Portillo did stone virtually every breakaway he's ever seen, but he had some some flaws elsewhere in his game. So do you think Barch can you say it again? Barcheski. Bar Barcheski. Barcheski. Yeah. I mean Barcheski is the projected starter, I would imagine, right? I think it's gonna be a tandem to start and then we'll see where it goes from there. But so, yeah, I mean the biggest thing is they need to not have him face as many breakaways as Portillo did. Um they need to give him some more support. And that's true for Noah West too. Either guy, I think they're capable of succeeding in the right situation. I think they're capable of failing in the right situation. A lot of it comes down to Michigan, how they play to support those guys. Cause we saw Barcheski in the Minnesota game in the tournament. If you don't support him, if you leave him out to dry, he's going to get rung up. He just doesn't have that elite athleticism to make these crazy saves that Portillo could make at times, but it's not too much to ask of a veteran defense to create a system to allow a goaltender to succeed. I mean, remember when JLF left Minnesota and we were like, "Uh Oh, uh -oh. Yeah. gophers are in trouble. And then they weren't because they have a good defense that was veteran, that was structured, keeps the goalie clean, lets him see the puck, doesn't make him do too much. And they've gotten really good goaltending out of Justin close, who is a random guy they picked out of, like the, the SJHL in Saskatchewan. So if Minnesota can do it, Michigan should be able to do it. It's just going to require uh, more defensive buy-in from the forwards or defensive buy-in from the defense following the, the team system, the coaching, all that sort of stuff. So I think we'll see Barczewski and West trade off Friday, Saturday in the fall for a couple months, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But I do think given the exceptional amount of experience that uh, Barczewski has compared to West, he will be favored to be the guy. And one sort of X factor here is that the NCAA added a third full-time assistant spot, which Michigan has used to bring in Kevin Ryder from the national team, who can be a full-time goalie coach. And they lost their volunteer goalie coach halfway through last season, and it really seemed to have a detrimental effect at that point. So that's not going to happen this year. Yeah, I think that will be a, a big help for the team, uh, no doubt about that. Also have a change in the coaching staff, right? Bill McCult is gone. So that's something also to keep an eye on with this team. One underrated player I think that will be interesting to watch is uh, Josh Ernest, the transfer they got from St. Thomas. You may recall that his transfer caused a confrontation at the yeah, coaching right. convention. <laughs> a kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly a guy St. Thomas didn't want to lose. I didn't think too much of him at the time, but... Um, some of the numbers we've gotten to see Peter uh, South put up a hello on Ernice among other players over the past month. And Ernice is a big guy, a little physical, but he graded out really well in winning loose pucks in his touch around the net. He may be on a third line with someone like Garrett Shivsky and Jackson Halem. He may be higher in the lineup uh, as a complimentary piece, but I think he's somebody that could really help Michigan sustain offensive pressure and that sort of thing. So a, a guy that, a lot of people might not know about, but could be a very useful sort of Swiss Army knife type player that uh, they could use. And in general, I thought the transfers, all of them filled holes for this team. They were all guys that aren't really just doubling down on what Michigan has. They're filling specific roles that Michigan was weaker on last season, and that's nice to see. They got a lot grittier. Uh, like Yeah. Like the, if you look at the additions, like Marshall Warren on, uh, on defense and, um, you know, uh, there's a whole bunch of guys, I think, and just the guys. Yeah, I mean, Ernice well. is a Ernice yeah. is a big hitter as well. So it, yeah. they are a little more sandpaper. And Tyler Duke and, and Marshall Warren, in particular, graded out really well, winning loose pucks and making passes out of the zone. And I think that's something they needed, especially after those Ohio State series last year.
But Ethan Edwards does not need to line up anybody anymore. You can just stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Go out of your game. Just You can be the little defenseman who comes up now. Let, less five-minute majors would be very good for this team, and hopefully the advanced age of the roster will help cut that down. Don't even. This is like a, a league of Angel Hernandez's, so let's not. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, I, some of the calls from last year were absolutely absurd, and I have no expectation that'll change. Um, so yeah, the random number generator for head hits and in, in the NSSLA will, will reign supreme, but Michigan, I mean, it looks like their top line is going to be McGordy Brindley and Frank Nazar. And that's like, that's, is there going to be a better line in college hockey? Maybe. I but mean, with Seamus Casey behind them too. Like that's yeah. Seamus. Seamus. Yeah. So, I mean, the scoring depth does kind of get a little bit sketchy. Cause then after that, you've got Hughes. Moldenhauer, Hallam, oh, Dylan Duke still maybe. around, yeah. Dylan Duke, yeah. So you got like two solid lines, and then the scoring depth is like a little bit iffy. Fourth line <laughs> might be iffy, but they were really top heavy last year. Remember, like Fantillion and his line did most of the work. Whereas this year, I think there may be less of a gap between the first and second lines, and even first and second power play units, unless Nazer really pops, which he very well might, and then. You have just another dude, and and you know, driving the uh, the train here. Well, I think what they all can right. do with all that like, all that grit that they added is basically have one gritty guy on each line. I mean, you know, the first line is going to be the top line, but you can kind of spread your scoring around a little bit on the second and third line, and then just have a uh, you know a grind line for your fourth. Yeah, I think that'll be the format in general. All right, uh, looks like it'll be another interesting season for Michigan hockey. We're gonna take a break and take one last look back at the Rutgers game. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. The 
only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high-quality and low-latency communication functionality for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Welcome back to Emgo Radio 9.5. Four. Uh, now is the time on Sprockets when we talk about our UFRs. Um, <clears throat> offensively, a dominant week in run blocking that the stats didn't show entirely because Michigan's running backs had a long of 14. But for the third straight week, both Max Bredesen and A.J. Barner killed it on the ground. Killed it. I was curious, so I went and looked up where they were on PFF and they're the number three and five blocking tight ends in America oh, on the ground. Happy Harbaugh. <laughs> so uh, I hope you guys enjoyed your Samaj Morgan cameo because there aren't going to be any <laughs> slot receivers the rest of the year. Because in addition to those two guys, you got Colston Loveland on the roster. And I don't think Jim Harbaugh has had tight end talent like this since Stanford. Like they go three deep with guys. Uh, I think rivals Josh Henschke just reported that Matt Hibner is going to take a red shirt this year and transfer because he's just not going to see a field. So those three guys are locked in. And I thought it was interesting that, <clears throat> you know, who had the most snaps among skill position players against Rutgers. It was Barner. Uh, Barner. It was Barner. So I don't, they must've ID'd him from his play at Indiana and said that this guy can play for us. And they seem to be extremely correct. Um, <clears throat> So that's a really good development. The other thing that kind of popped out is they took Rutgers seriously. Mm-hmm. They they ran JJ McCarthy. They brought out some new stuff. Um, you mentioned the the tight end power where they pull no linemen. They just pull the two uh, tight ends in the backfield, and that was ex- effective because you're not pulling a guard. So they, the linebackers on the backside aren't like, oh, we gotta right. get over here. It looks like split zone to them. And then it just turns into power and it turns into power where you have these two very, very good uh, run blocking tight ends against quarterbacks and safeties and linebackers. They don't have to take on a defensive end when they run this stuff. And then, as you mentioned, now that they are running that, you can bring the double arc out and it looks like something else you run. Mm -hmm. They also brought back the old uh, Rodriguez staple of belly, which is basically just shove everybody down the line and then, conflict a backside defensive end which is a great counter to their dive because it looks exactly the same except instead of trying to push people vertically you're trying to push them horizontally and i think that's a that combination of having both those uh in your playbook 
is going to really hurt teams that are trying to overload the the wedge dive, right? Yeah. Well, it's so, funny how we've come full circle because if you look back to 2018, 2019, that was Michigan's offense, right? They were running a lot of belly, and they, uh, they countered off of that with the uh, arc read play. So if they're going to bring back arc read, which we figure they're going to now that looks like something they run, uh, they you know they got the, the tight end power uh, working for them. They've got those extra tight ends to work. Now they can do the things they were doing in 2018, 2019, which they went away from to run what they've been – to run this duo stuff and to, to run dives in short yard situations because they were running off their guards. And having both at the same time is going to make them much harder to, uh, to predict. Yeah, and there was not a single outside zone in this game. I think that has something to do with the Rutgers defense, which was a very – refreshingly boring 4-3. <laughs> I mean, that's the like, oh. thing, right? Like, we've, we played... I know, but yeah. I, was, I was like, I don't have to figure out what the hell this front is. It's just, you know, all right, we got... You know, safety's coming up and whatever. I got news um, for you. You, get, you only had one week to enjoy this. Cause I know. Next week's UFR is going to be miserable. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it'll probably be fine. But I, yeah. I, I thought that the run blocking was overall pretty good. And everyone wants to know about Henderson versus Hinton. And I don't have a lot of clarity there, but Hinton did pick up six pass pro minuses against this team. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, four games from Hinton and two of them, he's had massive pass protection issues. That's in addition to his inconsistency in the ground game. And then I was looking for Henderson clips because I want to be like, all right, let's, this is what Henderson's doing. Let's talk about Henderson. I couldn't really find very much. I had a couple of plus ones, but then I added up, what he did mm. and it was like plus five and a half and a half a game so the only caveat i would say there is that he was in on the final drive when michigan was just you know paving a Rutgers team that wanted to go home and there were a ton you know, like a pluses were being handed out like candy on that drive mm-hmm. um so but i think you know if there's a time to do it i think this would probably be it because yeah. this is not a nebraska team that is likely to score a lot of points against Michigan and Henderson's been playing well enough that I think you could start him and see what you got there, especially because there's some reports that Hinton is dinged. I don't know. Yeah. I, whenever I hear someone's dinged because, and they're in a position battle, I kind of, I mean, the same thing with Sims at Nebraska right now. They're, they're quarterback. Right. Really threw a bunch of interceptions. He's got an and... ankle injury. Right. <laughs> right. right. It's, He's it's... got a brain injury because he keeps <laughs> throwing the ball to the other team. Sometimes that's the nice way a coach has of saying he got benched because you don't want to do that to your players. So I, I that that might be our signal, but I, I don't know, Brian. I've been waiting for signals all year, and every time they're like, okay, Henderson yeah. came in and played the second half. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Now we've got a shift, and we don't. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the way that this has gone down has confused me pretty much every week of the season. So we'll see if it continues to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then JJ Watch, like he came in as a plus twelve. Uh, you know, he had one, like the Barner throw. I thought was pretty bad because he had two open guys. He missed a couple of outs. Okay, but he was he was pretty close to being back where he was in the first couple games of the year. So Bowling Green, remembering hauling it or just forgetting about it permanently, mm-hmm. never happened. So there you go. Uh, defensively, uh, so... obviously, you weren't going to pick up much from the secondary. <laughs> yeah. But... 
I mean, that's been my, my problem all year. I've been trying to – because I want to actually grade the linebackers, and their problems last year, a lot of them were in zone coverage, and it's like, wow, no one's really attacking the linebackers in zone coverage. The only play I really had was Junior Colson sat back on one. But that was in the last drive when Michigan was like, sure, take nine yards because the clock that you kill is worth more to us than the yards. Um, Ernest Hausman is definitely behind Barrett now. Barrett, I gave him a star on the sheet. He's a He's there. And I think that Rutgers came in when they looked at Michigan's front and decided who they wanted to attack. They thought that they could ISO Michael Barrett, which means, you know, get a fullback or a tight end on him and move him enough that they're gonna, there's going to be space. And there was not. He reacted quickly. He blew up a lot of space. Even when the, the defensive tackles were not doing as well as we're used to, uh, Barrett was filling those holes and making things really hard on them. Jenkins is... You know, a dude, I think our unreasonable expectations for him at the beginning of the season are completely met. Um, but they really miss Graham. That, like that front, when Graham's in there, you have two guys just destroying every single gap on the interior. You can play with your guys. You can leave your linebackers back if you want to. You can play with one uh, or two guys less than the offense has in the in the box. And with Grant, you know, he, he still gritted out well. But, like, after running with Samer still for 71 yards, like, that was it. Like, he got, he was still playing, but there were no more twists. There was no more breaking into the backfield and hauling people down. And I like Brant better when he can play like a maniac than, and then come out, right, instead of being on the field <clears throat> right. for multiple series in a row. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. I mean, the other thing that kind of stood out is that Josiah Stewart is just not translating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this, the the edge issue came up twice. Um, twice, about, yeah. Two more times. Two more times. And he's yeah. had he's had limited snaps, and it seems like he's blown the edge. Yeah, five or six. Times I mean, this they year. were attacking his edge whenever he came in, and more. It was actually the the second time. It was just a strength issue, which was a little bit more concerning, maybe because like you can teach a guy to keep his shoulder outside and not poke his head in there all the time, uh, but you know he's he's small and he gets moved out. And Harrell's not that huge either, but Harrell is just grading out way better than Stewart doing the same exact job. And I know I've been, you know, hard on Harrell in the in the past. Probably deserved to have Ojabo ahead of him last year and not have to be the guy. And it's really hard with these offensive tackles to judge who can pass rush because the same moves might not work against you know even a FBS average offensive lineman. But you know these moves, he's just spinning around them and it works and he goes outside and I mean, it works. That, he he had one of those ice pick spins that I thought was going to work against anybody, so yeah, we'll see. Yep, I mean he's getting a little bit stronger, that's kind of the thing. His it's just it's he, he needs to take his honors classes. He's got his GPA up now. He just needs to like start I got to see it against somebody cuz like every single tackle he's beaten has just been a miserable tackle. And I know that's not going to Nebraska's not going to do us any favors in that standpoint either, but God, I don't know. When do we face a good tackle? Does Minnesota have one? I don't know. Yeah. And then your boy, Quentin Johnson. <laughs> he's, he's there. I, maybe I need to sign everybody. Cause no, don't do, don't do that. <laughs> well, all right, so here's, here's the question, right? Rod Moore has his big mistake on the first drive. He was back out there the next drive. So I think that people, mm -hmm. the BTN loves their tight cuts, so you don't actually see the safeties on TV. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. Right. And so <laughs> <laughs> that is, so 
I would see like more show up at the very end of plays, but if you were not looking to see which safety's on the field, you have no idea. And more yeah. like when he was out there, he was just playing free safety. You don't really get to see him. Makari Page is the one they're bringing down a little bit more. And then Quentin Johnson just was playing on the, He was doing it himself. He, he comes in for a couple of really nice sticks. There's this one uh, third and one play that uh, that leads to the – when they, they try to convert on fourth and one and didn't, and then they missed the field goal. Uh, or they we, – we shut him down on fourth and one, and then they had a false start that, like, the center yes. barely moved. Uh, but I, I still graded that play out anyway. Uh, but the play to set that up, uh, they they had us. They they found the gap. Michigan was playing, you know, the, the find the gap game. They found the one with the safety in it. And he has to come down really far and get down his knees and get use every single ounce of his, uh, you know, of his size to make the stop. And he does. And Rutgers has like a, you know, kind of a bowling ball kind of running back who's not that easy to stop. And I was like, okay. Um, I think he was probably a little bit, tentative in previous games and that was a lot of my issues that I had with him and maybe just getting on the field enough and make getting more comfortable he's he's there I'm not saying he's going to pass Rod more they split snaps fairly evenly but Quentin Johnson is out there because he's earning his playing time and that's just a, an, a good thing all right any last items you need to get off your chest about the Rutgers game uh that the the off coverage is annoying like that's true, but yeah, I, you know, it's, that was an issue last year too. I think Michigan just plays cover three and that's kind of just what they do, but they need to not do that so much against Rutgers. Cause it's, you don't have to play that far off. And I was dinging yeah, the cornerbacks for it. Um, yeah, you, you don't have to play that far off, and, and Michigan could do some some work to disguise that a little bit better. But yeah, yeah. So even when they, I, I, you know, they only hit us with it three or four times. So it was available for them four times, and they hit us with it three times. But like, you should know it's coming, right? You know that you're gonna get pressure. You know that they're gonna, they should, they should be driving on that. Anyway, that's it. All right, Nebraska's up next. A road game. Have fun out there, guys. Boris is a mayor and a land surveyor with plans of his own. He hates Aruska, he hates a vodka, bandit from his home. He hates Aruska, Aruska, vodka, vodka. He never drank a single drop. He hates Aruska, Aruska, vodka, vodka. This poison he swears.